1: time for another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast, Bears Banter, powered by Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation, Bill Zimmerman with you, and it is officially week one of the NFL season. It is finally here, football is officially back, and I know Bears fans are all very excited, whether you're optimistic or pessimistic of this season. It's irrelevant. I think everyone's excitement is at the same level because Justin Fields is a quarterback, not the quarterback yet, but a quarterback on the Chicago Bears roster. Hopefully he will be the quarterback sooner rather than later. Lots of uh, discussion. Let's just call it discussion the last few months about Matt Nagy's decision to stick here with Andy Dalton. We got a special guest today, Aaron Lemming, Bear Report, Windy City, Gridiron. You all know him well on Twitter, at AaronLemmingNFL. He's gonna be by here in about 10 minutes or so to help us preview the season. Because this is an interesting season for the Chicago Bears, because what this season is developing to be and what this season should be are two very different things. In my eyes, what this season should be is a developmental season. You've you've rebooted this, this team. You've rebooted this roster. Yes, you'll have a few pieces that'll carry over. But basically, the idea here, the way I want an NFL team run is you want to open up a Super Bowl window under a rookie quarterback contract. And that's what the, where the Chicago Bears are. Rewind it back to 2017. The 2017 season was not about winning 10 games. And I understand we went from John Fox to Matt Nagy and, and there was a mess involved with the end of Fox's tenure there. But that season was about developing Trubisky and putting the roster in a position where you could make a, a splash like they did with Khalil Mack and Allen Robinson, whether that be trades or free agency, get a couple impact guys in the draft and open up your window in 2018, 19, and 20 when your rookie quarterback is on his rookie contract. That, to me, is how you need to run an NFL franchise. And the Bears tried to do that previously under Ryan Pace, but the problem was Mitch Trubisky busted. And without Trubisky, the window should have been closed, but Pace tried to wedge it open desperately with little moves here or there and Nick Foles, and none of it worked out. And now, instead of admitting a mistake, and rewinding the clock and going, okay, who do we want to commit to for the next few years? We want Roquan on the team or Helen Robinson on the team. Who are the key components for this team? And let's, let's lock them down. Let's move away from the veterans. Let's move away from bad contracts. Let's reload this roster, infuse it with some youth, and put this team in a position where you have the ability to spend in 2022 and 2023 like they did previously with Allen Robinson and those guys to open up a Super Bowl window under Justin Fields when Fields is still on his rookie deal. What the Bears have done the last couple of years is cling to any hope that they can get back to being this 12 and 4 team, which they are not going to be with this roster the way it's currently constructed. 2018 is now a distant memory. And they are clinging to trying to scrape together as many wins as possible by scraping together a bunch of random veterans and anything they can do to try and turn a 7-10 and 10 team into a 9-8 and 8 team. And that, all you're doing is shooting yourselves in the foot in 2022 and 2023. And I went off on Twitter, after the Jimmy Graham maneuver, where they converted his money into a, a bonus and punted $4.5 million into next season with Jimmy Graham. I got agitated on Twitter. I took to Twitter to basically say that this cap management needs to stop. And I had a lot of Bears fans, a lot of Bears fans jumping down my throat, telling me that I just want to be negative for the sake of being negative. Why haven't, why are you complaining about 2022 when they haven't played the first game in 2021? Look, I don't care about 2021. I do not care about this season. I don't care if they go 1-16 or 11-6. and All I care about is Justin Fields. That's all that should matter this season is turning Justin Fields into a viable NFL quarterback. And uh, it's there. We all see it. We see his command of the offense. We see the accuracy on the deep balls. We see his mobility in the pocket. We see him extending plays And just three preseason games. We see it all. We know he has the capability. Hopefully, Matt Nagy can harness that ability and turn him into a legitimate top 10 quarterback in this league. But Justin Fields has the ability to do that. So all I want to see this season is Justin Fields develop into that, that quarterback. This Chicago Bears team is not winning the Super Bowl this year. The roster doesn't, isn't there. Period. Let's, let's not fool ourselves in thinking that this is a a championship-caliber roster. It's not. It's a below average roster. It could even be considered a poor roster. They've got a lot of holes. They've got questions on the offensive line. This secondary has an opportunity to be dreadful this year. And if Jalen Johnson gets hurt or Eddie Jackson gets hurt, they have serious problems, especially if Jalen goes down. If Jalen Johnson is missing a few games and you have to trot out Vildor and Burns or whatever they're going to do, that, that is a recipe for disaster. They've got no depth at cornerback. They're going to have to generate a pass rush to keep those cornerbacks, you know, in essence to protect them from themselves. So let's not pretend that this team's about to go 12-5 and 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 win the division and challenge the Packers. That's not happening. What we need to be focused on as fans, as far as I'm concerned, is Justin Fields and developing Fields and maybe bringing along some of these other rookies and and second-year players and turning them into to good players as well. That's what this Chicago Bears roster and that's what this coaching staff needs to be focused on, but this coaching staff is focused on trying to piece together win, you know, a win here or a win there, and that is just the wrong attitude to have as far as I'm concerned. So when you sit there and and tell me that I'm being an idiot for worrying about the 2022 salary cap space, well all I care about right now is 2022. Look at the big picture here. The big picture is the Bears have Justin Fields, and that is an exciting place to be for a Chicago Bears fan. Probably the most excited Bears fan should be about a quarterback since Jim McMahon. They should be more excited than when they got, and, and I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, Jim McMahon was, was a, a hall of famer, but I'm saying Jim McMahon was a top 10 pick in, in, in the early 80s and was supposed to be a great quarterback and could have been if it wasn't for injuries. That aside, You should be more excited when the Bears drafted Grossman or when the Bears drafted McCown, McDown, or when the Bears drafted Harbaugh. Any of these quarterback moves, the Rick Meyer move we all knew stunk at the time. I don't know why they did it. You know, Jay Cutler, I know Jay Cutler was exciting for a lot of Bears fans, but as far as I'm concerned, Jay Cutler had already kind of shown some, some warts. Justin Fields is this ball of clay that the Bears have an opportunity to mold into a great top five potential quarterback in the league. He has that much talent. So, as far as I'm concerned, punting four and a half million of Jimmy Graham's money into 2022 is stupid. Putting all the void years on Danny Trevathan's deal last year was stupid. Void year after void year with all these, you know, being stuck with all these bad contracts right now and punting more and more money into the future. If the Chicago Bears try and get out of of Quinn and Foles' deal, I mean, they're they're looking at potentially 40 million in dead cap, just a monstrous number, a monstrous number of dead cap space. And you just should not be in that kind of position with a second year quarterback next year. So you wanna sit there and say, ah, they got time to fix it. And look, the, the salary cap, eventually the bill comes due and they have been punting money down the road for two years And it's going to come due in 2022 and potentially 2023. So when they should be opening up cap space, they're still going to be in the same position they were this year. And when you re-sign Roquan Smith and Bilal Nichols and potentially Allen Robinson and you try and keep this core, you know, some of these good players on the roster, you're going to eat up any available cap space you have real quick when you have 40 million in dead cap space in tow. So it is very frustrating right now, as far as I'm concerned, because Forget this season. Everything that Ryan Pace is doing right now to set this team up for success in the next few years, he's going about it the wrong way. And he's going about it looking at the short term. He's looking at the trees and not the forest. And it is frustrating to me. And you can sit there and tell me I'm an idiot and tell me to shut up and anything you want to do on Twitter, that's fine. But when the Chicago Bears have to let Allen Robinson go because they don't have enough money to sign them. Or the Chicago Bears are a quiet and free agency because they don't have enough money to make some maneuvers and improve this roster on Justin Fields. And you're screaming, looking at your phone, going, why aren't the Bears making any moves? Just remember it at this point. And the, this is the reason why. Because Ryan Pace has been negligent with the cap for years, trying to save his own job, and the bill is coming due when Justin Fields will be coming into his own. When we come back, Aaron Lemming joins us to break down this team, and hopefully he's a little more positive than I am, as, as you can tell, very frustrated with where the Bears are. This is Bears Banter, Bill Zimmerman. We'll be right back.
2: Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work
1: All right. Welcome back into the podcast. And this, this has become a, a tradition here. I believe this is the fifth consecutive year we've had him on to preview the Chicago Bear season. That, that first guest kicking off before week one, Windy City Gridiron, Bear Report, you, all over Twitter. He is Aaron Lemming and he joins us now. Aaron, Bill Zimmerman, how are you?
2: I'm doing well, man. Like you said, we're at week one. I mean, this is uh, this is where all the fun starts, and hopefully, it doesn't end too early in the season for you know a lot of fans. But it's I I, I think more than anything, regardless of how the Bears finish out, I think we're all going to be extremely excited when Justin Fields finally takes the field. It's just a matter of when that's going to be.
1: Yeah, exactly. When is that going to be? And nobody knows the answer except Matt Nagy and maybe a few other faces at at Hallis Hall. So let's let's start there. Let's not bury the lead. Let's start with Justin Fields. And let me ask you, if you were the head coach of the Chicago Bears and knowing, forgetting salary cap and what you may have told Andy Dalton in March, if you were the coach of the Bears and you've seen what you've seen from Dalton and Fields to this point, would Justin Fields be your week one starter?
2: Absolutely. I, 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 and I get it. There's a lot more intricacies of the game. you got to be patient. But I think when you look around the league, I mean, where's the? When you look at the other quarterbacks, I mean, Trey Lance and and Justin Fields are the only two guys not starting, right? And Mac Jones has looked good. Trevor Lawrence has been a little up and down. Zach Wilson's looked really good as well but where is the differences between all of these quarterbacks and that's kind of what i look at and i just you know i look at it and i and i see a guy in fields who is a lot further along mentally and i think that's kind of the big key we know his physical tools but the mental side of things from what we've been able to see it seems like Justin Fields is much further along than Mitchell Trubisky and it seems like he's right up the, up there with the rest of the guys starting and obviously i know every situation is different every you know the the quarterback situation in jacksonville and in, in you know with the jets is obviously a different situation but in my mind the bears should be trying to if you're going to go all in like it seems like they have and that's kind of a relative thing right now but if they're going to go all in then why not start your your better quarterback right now the whole promise thing to Andy Dalton or you know sticking to the plan of how the the chiefs Handle Patrick Mahomes, all that stuff, it, it's all irrelevant. Every quarterback situation is different. Every quarterback's development is different. And you know, I think anybody with eyes could see, yes, Fields has some things to work on, but he's a rookie. Every rookie, regardless of what position you're playing, has things to work on, but why not let him get out there and figure out what you have because Andy Dalton's not your future. And I don't think Andy Dalton's gonna win them too many games.
1: Yeah, and and you brought up the Patrick Mahomes thing, and that's something that Matt Nagy has brought up multiple times here since April and I think that's what's frustrated so many fans of course because Mahomes didn't get on the field till the final game of the regular season in his rookie year my issue with that is and I understand the Bears are technically a playoff team I, I do get that from from last year but that Kansas City Chiefs team, when they drafted Mahomes, when they had Alex Smith, who I understand Alex Smith is not going to be mistaken for Tom Brady, but he is a viable quarterback in the NFL. At least he was at the time, obviously not anymore. But he was a viable quarterback. The Chiefs had playoff aspirations. People expected them to be competing in the in the AFC West. We know what that Chiefs team was. This Bears team is not that Chiefs team. So to sit there and trot out Andy Dalton and say that, Ideally, you don't want Patrick Mahomes playing until, you know, week 18 or or whatever it might be this year to me is just foolish. And it's just, I understand that coaches feel that they're going to win games and players feel like they're going to win games. But at this point to me, I think that's that Mahomes comment is really what's driven this fan base to insanity the last few months, because it's not the same situation. And sure, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL now, but Trying to go down that path and force it with a team that is not the same team that that 2017 Chiefs team was is just silly.
2: Well, yeah, it's just not the same situation, regardless of how you cut it. I mean, like you pointed out, yeah, the Bears were a playoff team last year. That's very loosely put. You know, But at the same time, again, Alex Smith had been there. Alex Smith had tenure. Alex Smith knew that offense up and down. Alex Smith actually had a career, and that's, I think, what a lot of people forget. He had a career year in 2017 when he held off Patrick Mahomes until the last game of the season. They went in the playoffs. And I also think a lot of people forget that at one point in time when the Chiefs were struggling a little bit, a lot of people called for Patrick Mahomes to get, you know, get the start over Alex Smith. So it's just, again, this, this sense of loyalty is, it's so weird to me that I understand that there's a plan, but at the same time, if you, if you look at, especially, I mean, let's just look at the Patriots situation. I know it's, it's so popular to compare the Patriots situation to any struggling team or any team that's being frustrating. I get that. I mean, I've, I've seen it on Twitter the last few days talking about, you know, how Terrible! The Raiders have been at drafting in the top rounds over the last few years, and people, you know, how about the how about the Patriots? What are their drafts look like? Is yeah, well, the Patriots have won Super Bowls and have actually been successful. Their their worst season in the last twenty years is your best season in the last ten years. So it's it's not the same thing, but. With the, with the Mac Jones situation, I think it's very similar because you have a guy in Cam Newton who came in last year, really didn't play that well. They re-signed him again to, you know, basically the similar deal as last year. And obviously the vaccination status, I'm sure, had something to do with it. But at the same time, they identified that Mac Jones was the better of the two quarterbacks. He was also the younger of the two quarterbacks. So you're telling me that a Super Bowl winning coach, a multi, multiple-time Super Bowl winning coach in Bill Belichick was able to be objective with his quarterback situation with a rookie quarterback and start the guy, but Matt Nagy wants to follow in the footsteps of Andy Reid in a very, very, very different situation. So it's just, again, you know, I, I've given, I've given Matt Nagy the benefit of the doubt a lot. And, you know, if you look at his overall record in terms of being coach, the bears haven't had a losing season with him as a coach, you know, And, and I get all that. And I think that in terms of him being a head coach, I do think he is a, a pretty quality head coach, I think, in terms of him being a play caller. He's a terrible play caller. But there are these decisions where he leans on what Andy Reid did, and it just doesn't make a ton of sense, because you can lean on what Andy Reid did, but then you can also look back to the Eagles back in Carson Wentz' rookie year, where they traded Sam Bradford, the guy who was supposed to be starting, for a guy you know, and Carson Wentz who came from a smaller school, and you know, he was our week one starter. So again, it's just, I think quarterback development, I think a lot of people look at it and they think that it's just, it's just linear all the way around and it's not. And, and it's, it's a situation where you have to be able to evaluate everything around you. And I know a lot of people look back on 2017 and they look and they say, well, you know, you kind of look back at the situation and a lot of people were calling, including myself calling for Trubisky to start over Glennon. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that I made during that evaluation process from what we could see was, I was focused way more on what Mike Glennon wasn't doing than what Trubisky was doing. And you, I think you can go back and you can look at a lot of what happened in the preseason, what happened in the regular season to see from a mental standpoint, Trubisky was not ready. It it really meant nothing that Mike Glennon was terrible the same way as, you know, I don't think Andy Dalton's going to be awful. I don't think he's going to be Mike Glennon level of bad, but I also think it's a, it's one of those situations where, when you look at what Fields has done within the preseason and all the different things that are going on in terms of, you know, you know, what people have said about him, what his coaches have said about him, it's just a very different situation. I think he is mentally ready as a rookie again, as a rookie, he's not a veteran. He's not a five-year guy. You're not going to get Deshaun Watson. You're not going to get Russell Wilson in year one, but I think he is more than far enough mentally along to be a week one starter his rookie year. And again, I think the frustrating thing for a lot of us is that you look at the moves that the Bears have made over the last two years. And I think on paper, I think a lot of people objectively could say, at least outside in the national media, can say the Bears really don't have that good of a roster, but they continue to make these weird decisions with their salary cap and kicking the can down the road. And they're clearly trying to, quote unquote, go for it. So if you're trying to go for it, why not play the more explosive and the better quarterback out of the two and deal with the learning pains and the growing pains and everything that comes along with it? Because you would know at least at the end of the year that with Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, regardless of what their job situations are, can at least sit there and say, hey, we've got this team going on the right track. Our rookie quarterback looks really good. Year two and beyond looks really good. Give us another year and we'll figure it out. And it it almost kind of seems counterintuitive for Nagy and Pace to not want to start Justin Fields out of the gate and kind of pull that card later on in the year if things go bad, because you just never know with the McCaskeys. I mean, we all know that we follow this team long enough to know, you just don't know what's going to go on with the McCaskies, but the, the entire thing just seems counterintuitive from the moves that they've made from their plan for Justin Fields, for their perceived job security. None of it really makes a whole lot of sense to me.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you on a lot of this. And, and to me, in the long run, in Justin Fields, long run, if, he gets on the field and I've targeted, you know, just kind of looking at, at, at the schedule and how things have played out. I've targeted that Detroit game in week four as a sensible landing spot to play fields. You get, you know, obviously you get Cleveland out of the way, you get the Rams out of the way. Cincinnati is obviously a winnable game, but to me, you're going to embarrass, unless Andy Dalton throws four interceptions against the Rams, you're going to embarrass him sitting and letting him play week one and sitting him against the Bengals. I don't think Maggie's going to do that. That Lions game makes a lot of sense to me because you get the Lions and the Raiders back-to-back. Those are defenses you can navigate as a as a very green quarterback. So, so that's where I'm kind of looking at it. I'm certainly hoping we don't get to week 8, 9, 10, 11, whatever it might be with Justin Fields not getting snaps. I know some people are hoping Fields gets on the field week 1 for a special package, you know, something like that. I don't know if I see Nagy doing that. That's just me personally. But before, instead of just dwelling on all that, In terms of some positivity, what have you seen from Justin Fields in the games we've seen him in the preseason? And he has made some mistakes, but he's made some dynamic plays as well. What's the, out of all the things that Fields brings, what are a couple of the things that get you most excited about him as a quarterback right now?
2: Well, I think, you know, kind of going back to Trubisky, not not to bag on him, but it's just kind of the last really, you know thing known quantity that we have in terms of a young quarterback developing and one of the things that Matt Nagy had pointed out that he wanted to see from Trubisky that it just never really seemed to come to fruition was the fact that he doesn't want to see him make the same mistake twice and I think that's something that we've seen with Justin Fields like you said there is some bad and there's nothing wrong with that I think a lot of people want to focus on the bad and they want to say, well, you know, he, he didn't check his protection the right way. You know, he had a guy coming off line, he got leveled and it's like, yeah, but at the same time there was a very similar blitz later on in that game where he did pick up that blitzer. And I think that again, not exactly the same blitz on exactly the same play call, but I think that you see when he makes the throws that he makes and the decisions that he makes, there's not a lot of the same mistake twice. I think the the second biggest thing that has really stood out to me and I know somebody, and I can't remember who it was, and I, it didn't really make the rounds that much, but there was somebody who put out like an adjusted uh, completion percentage or uh, like an adjusted uh, like accuracy, something something like that. And he had Justin Fields rated as like the second worst rookie quarterback of all preseason. And I found that really interesting. And, Bill, I, I'm sure, you know, you've watched just as much as the preseason games and probably gone back and, and watched, you know, rewatched them some as well. I mean, I didn't count one actual throw that Trubisky or that Trubisky. Wow, that Fields made that was actually that inaccurate. I mean, he had multiple drops. He had multiple passes where guys should have made the catch. If it was Allen Robinson or Darnell Mooney, they probably make the catch. And that was another thing that really stood out to me is there wasn't those really bad misses. The accuracy was pretty good for the most part, Um, you know. And then I think the last thing was really just. him being able to diagnose the entire field. Again, another thing that we've seen a lot of young quarterbacks struggle with, and it wasn't an all-the-time thing. Obviously, there were were multiple plays where there were predetermined reads that he was going to right out of the gate, those two throws uh, to Jesse James that both went for long completions. But he also did a really good job of scanning the field. And I know a lot of people wanted to make Justin Fields out to be, you know, Lamar Jackson 2.0 come out of the draft. He was this guy that scrambled. And, you know, it's like, but no, he, he really didn't. I mean, I watch every Ohio State game. My girlfriend's a big Ohio State fan. We have a dog named Buckley. I mean, it just kind of gives you an idea. Like, I, I've watched every Justin Fields game over the last two years. So what I can tell you is, is Justin Fields is a pocket passer that has the ability to get out of the pocket, extend plays, but he doesn't always extend plays with his legs. And I know that people want to point to some of the runs that he made and say that he bailed out too soon. But if you really go back and watch a lot of when he bailed out of the pocket and sometimes, yes, it was a little early. Yes. He could have stepped up. But again, I think he learned from that is he wasn't just trying to take off downfield. There were multiple times he extended plays with his feet and still made a throw. I mean, there was a, the one throw to Rodney Adams and the, in the, you know, the, the end of the first half in week one uh, of the preseason and uh, that last drive. And I mean, there are multiple other things that you can go back and point to, but I think again, and we, we only know so much. I, we're not Matt Nagy. We don't have the script. We don't, we don't understand exactly what they are looking for, but from what I've seen, I think that there was a lot of mental maturity from him that you don't see in a lot of rookie quarterbacks. So I think the mental side of things is where he's a lot further ahead, you know, than a lot of the other quarterbacks that we've seen in the past in Chicago and some of these other areas. And I think that that's going to pay big dividends down the line because we already know he's got, uh, you know, amazing physical talent. I mean, again, for is, is down as I am on the overall season, there is very little doubt in my mind that Nick Foles or Nick Foles. Wow, why do I keep doing that? That Justin Fields. I, I, Dude, I bear fans that. can't
1: have nice things. That's I know, right? You're, that, thinking that Trubisky, Justin, you're thinking
2: Foles. Exactly. <laughs> but that Justin Fields, I, I really do believe that Justin Fields is going to be an outstanding quarterback. I think the future is bright. Um, so yeah, my, my concerns with with Fields in terms of him playing or virtually nothing outside of maybe the offensive line being an issue. But even then, I mean, he's an athletic guy. He dealt with a a questionable offensive lines at time last year with Ohio state because of all the injuries and COVID that they had too. So he's not a stranger to it, at least at the levels that he's played at.
1: All right. Now you brought up something about puzzling moves, the bears made. So let's, let's take a minute here, before we kind of look at the offensive defensive side of the ball, let's look at, at those puzzling moves and kind of the big picture thing, because I went off on Twitter Uh, on a few things the bears have done about salary cap management. And a lot of the fans are basically calling me chicken little and telling me to settle down that I'm complaining about 2022 before the first game of 2021. And I understand that, but I'm also very frustrated because when you have a rookie quarterback, if you have, if he is good, if he is a capable NFL, top 10, top 12 quarterback in the league, and you have him on that rookie deal, that is so valuable because of the cap flexibility you can have with the rest of your roster. And what the Chicago bears are doing the last two seasons is kicking so much money down the road. And I get the, the response of, well, all teams do this, but they've kicked so much money down the road and they've got bad contracts over their head and Robert Quinn and Nick Foles, they're going to have a significant amount of dead cap next season, depending on whether they do post June 1st or pre They could potentially have over $40 million in dead cap space next season. And those type of moves to me are so frustrating because in a year where the Chicago Bears, as far as I'm concerned, should be focused on getting rid of bad money, getting rid of bad contracts, letting youth play in as many positions as you can, because you want to develop and open that window with Justin Fields for 2022, 2023, and 2024 And what you're doing is trying to piece together an extra win or two in 2021 for $40 million in dead cap space in in 2022, to me, is just so frustrating. And what Ryan Pace has decided to do in terms of how he's handled this cap.
2: Well, and I was reading something, I think you saw it too, that there hasn't been a team over the last 10 years that has had over $40 million in dead space that has been a winning team, had a winning record. So, I mean, that just kind of gives you an idea. Usually when teams have a ton of dead space, and we saw the same thing when Ryan Pace took over. You cut a bunch of veterans, you you know, you basically get rid of a bunch of bad deals, and there you are. And, you know, one of the other contracts that is also somewhat concerning to me, and not even somewhat, very concerning, is Danny Trevathan. You know, I, I wrote an article a few days ago on the Bear Report talking about exactly this, how the 2020 offseason was a complete and utter utter disaster for Ryan Pace, because you had four absolutely terrible moves that they made. Obviously, you had Robert Quinn, you had Nick Foles, Danny Trevathan, and Jimmy Graham. And it's just kind of funny because now you got a guy in in, uh, Danny Trevathan who pretty much put him on IR at this point, and you're hoping after a few games that he's going to be able to come back and actually play well for you, and he hasn't looked the same since he signed that deal last year. So you have a guy in him where if the problem is, is the way that they did his contract, they put a bunch of void years on top of it, which means, and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I want to say it's like five or $6 million are going to toll after this deal's over. So I think 2023, yeah, 2023 is when basically his deal will be over with. And there's going to be another ginormous cap hit that comes out of nowhere to basically pay him to not be on the team because of the contract structure. You look at Jimmy, Jimmy Graham, the same thing today, right before we record this, they they end up converting his base salary into a signing bonus and kick four point six seven million dollars into next year as a dead thing that you basically can't do anything with instead of cutting the guy. And that's the kind of issues. I mean, you pointed out Robert Quinn. You you know, it's like you start looking at these things and the same thing with Nick Foles. It's like even if you get out from under Nick Foles next year, it's still gonna cost you more than it's gonna save you. And the same exact thing with Robert Quinn. So Yes, I understand that people, and I've seen the same comments about people, you know, it's like, why are you worried about 2022 before they played a game in 2021? Well, I think the simple answer to that is because 2021 is not going to be a Super Bowl year for the Bears. I am willing to put a lot of money on the fact that the Bears are not going to win a Super Bowl this year. Could they make the playoffs? Maybe so. But the focus has to be beyond 2021, moving into 2022 and 2023. And how can you build a good team If you have that much money in debt space, even if they have, let's say $35 million in debt space, I know a lot of people are looking at their, you know, their projected cap figures for next year and say, oh, well, the bears have $43 million in cap space. Okay, well, that's fine. But now let's, now let's start looking at things. So you have Bilal Nichols, Akeem Hicks, who are going to be free agents. You're probably going to have an issue or two on the offensive line to solve, not to mention James Daniels, also a free agent. You have Jimmy Graham, who's also a free agent. You're probably going to end up having to cut Robert Quinn. So you have a whole lot outside linebacker. If you really start going through this roster, they're going to have a ton of holes next year on top of the question marks that they already have. So that $43 million when it's all said and done goes really quickly, even if you start backloading deals. So again, you know, it's fine if you want to look at the short term and you don't really want to focus on things until next year, or if you're one of those people who believe that cap space is a myth and all this, it's it's not. And I think we've seen how things toll in places like New Orleans, where Ryan Pace came from, where they kick the can down the road, kick the can down the road. And all of a sudden, at some point in time, you're going to have to pay that toll. And I think that's where the bears are at right now where, okay, that's fine. You can be optimistic. I'm optimistic for the future too. But you also have to understand that, In order to be optimistic for the future and be successful in the future and to be able to build a Super Bowl team around a a quarterback on a rookie deal, the only way that you can do that is with enough resources, not to mention, and again, I'm not knocking it, but not to mention the fact that the Bears don't have a first-round pick in 2022. So you look at over their last, when when it's all said and done, in in a five-year period, Ryan Pace will have had two first-round picks, in, in a five-year span. And that's not to mention, you know, some of the second round picks that he's missing some of the third round picks that he hasn't had as well, because he trades a lot. So it's hard to build and it's hard to rebuild or retool, however you want to look at it, a roster, even around a rookie quarterback when you're missing the resources to do so, which was another big issue that they had this year. So again, I understand it and I understand that people can say, Oh, you're being too negative or you're looking too far ahead. But again, 2021 is not the goal in mind, okay? Even if they make the playoffs, you're probably going to see a very early exit like you did last year. That doesn't really do anything for him. You're trying to get back to a Super Bowl window or you know, in order to rebuild that Super Bowl window, you have to have resources. And right now, all the Bears are doing is depleting those future resources they are going to make it harder on themselves. And you don't want to see them in you know, the 2020 Texans where you have a top five quarterback and you still feel the terrible team because everything else around you is terrible. Yeah,
1: and and I'm right there with you on all that. And the one thing I'll say, and yes, Mickey Loomis and his management of the cap has been questionable at times, but the one thing that a guy like Mickey Loomis is doing and some of these other teams where you see them backloading deals and voiding years and things like that is they are trying to keep a Super Bowl slash playoff window wedged open because they have Drew Brees or Tom Brady or, or whatever it might be that's when you really get into managing your cap and getting creative is how can we wedge a couple more guys on the current roster because we're competing for a super bowl. And this bears team just isn't, we, we, we've talked about it and some, and maybe it's because Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace feel they need to save their jobs or maybe they're just, you know, not managing things well for the, for the being of the team, whatever it may be just these these decisions are, are puzzling and it's left this roster in a lot of strange positions. So uh, let's talk about the roster. Let's start offensively because while there are plenty of negatives, I mean there, there are some positives on this team beyond Justin Fields. I really like the running back room. I'll, I'll just say that. I, I like David Montgomery. I don't love David Montgomery. I don't think he's a Alvin Kamara level you know game breaker, but I think he is a a very good running back. I like the, uh, I like the Williams pickup. I think he's a solid running uh, RB2. I like Herbert. Herbert, you've got Tariq Cohen, however they're going to utilize him eventually, whether it's more out in the, in the slot or or more in the backfield. But either way, I like what they have at running back. Wide receiver, the depth, questionable, but we'll see. You know, They're trying some different things, which I, I appreciate. I'm all for trying Bird and Goodwin, and I don't love Paraman, but even Perriman, because I just – Ridley, Wims, and that group just wasn't getting it done. And the tight end position to me, that's where there's still a big question mark. We'll get to offensive line separately. I just want to do the skill positions first. Tight end, look, you shouldn't need Jimmy Graham if you're confident Cole Komet's going to step up and become an offensive weapon. I don't think they're confident at that point yet. I'd like to James pick up Horstead. You know, maybe he'll finally get some snaps. We'll see but kind of in terms of the position groups, where are you offensively with this team? We'll do offensive line next.
2: Well, you know, I don't think in terms of like their skill position guys, I actually don't think they're too bad off. I mean, are they elite? No. And you know, nothing like that, but I think there's, there's some clear upside there. I obviously, I think that the biggest concern moving forward that you have, especially at like, let's just say receivers, you have one receiver under contract past 2021. I mean, this year. So that'll be interesting but I think if you're just evaluating on this year alone, I think that they actually have more talent and more depth than we've seen on this offense in quite a while. And obviously that's assuming that Allen Robinson is going to be the same guy, if not better. And then obviously Darnell Mooney taking a big step in year two as well. So yeah, I, you know, I look at it and I actually really like what they did in the receiver room. Again, nothing elite, but I think at the same time, one of the big focuses for this team over the last few years has been trying to get, more speed on the offensive side of the ball, especially at receiver. And how do you do that? Well, you go out and you add one of the fastest guys in the league or two of the fastest guys in the league or maybe even three if you're counting Perryman. I don't know what to expect out of him. You know, and, and guys like Goodwin, Bird, and Perryman. I mean, that's that, That's how you go out and do that. And like you said, I, I think – churning over the bottom end of the depth chart at receiver when you don't have Riley Ridley, who clearly just didn't work out as a, as a third round pick, Javon Wims uh, beyond the fact that he was just a terrible receiver also made really stupid penalties. So, I mean, you get rid of some of that. I agree with you about running back. I think running back is actually the deepest it's been in quite a while. Um, it will be very interesting to see how they're going to use Trey Cohn when they bring him back. And then tight end is kind of one of those, you have to hope obviously that Cole Komet steps up this year. And then you also have to kind of wonder what kind of role can Jesse James play? Because Jesse James is still somewhat young. I mean, he was the same guy that came from Pittsburgh, signed a pretty big deal with uh, Detroit. Detroit tried using him in a really weird way, and it didn't work out. Like, I think at this point in time, Jesse James is who he is, and he's never going to be an elite kind of guy. But I think he can be a really solid number two or number three tight end over the next few years, depending on how they use him. So I think... In terms of overall skill positions, obviously they got some stuff to figure out, and I'm sure they'll make some moves next year. I think the arrow is pointing up there, and I I think that's a you know outside of the offensive line, which I'm sure we're going to touch on. uh, You know, the the skill positions, especially receiver, getting more speed and building that offense how you want it to be. I think is going to be interesting, and I think also I think the other key here is regardless if it's Dalton or Fields. I think both of those guys give you more deep ball accuracy than anything the bears have had over the last few years. And I think that's also very important to note because if the bears want to stretch the field, not only do they have to have receivers that can do so, but they have to have a quarterback that can actually get them the ball and not miss them by 30 or 40 yards. Or, you know, some of the crazy things that we've seen over the last few years with both Trubisky Foles, even chase Daniel to a certain extent as well. So yeah, I think, honestly, I think the arrow's pointing up on those, even if it's just for this year, and then they kind of figure out what they have after that. I, I I like where they're at. You know, it's not, again, it's nothing elite, nothing too overly eye-popping, but I think it can really work. I mean, just look at the receivers that Kansas City's had in these kind of offenses outside of – you know, obviously outside of Tariq Hill. I mean, what do they really have? They haven't had a ton of big names. I mean, Sammy Watkins was a big name that never really did much for him, but a lot of their contributors, they've kind of built. Albert Wilson was one of those guys. They built him. He went off and got a pretty solid deal in free agency and went to Miami. So I think as long as you have at least some big names there that you can rely on, I think you can kind of piece together the rest. And I think that's exactly what they're trying to do.
1: And what they're also trying to do is piece together an offensive line. And that is where I have some serious concerns. And, you know, just kind of watching at what Ryan Pace has done over the years, it's, he's clearly trying to build an offensive line from the inside out. I know the, you know, the smart money over the last 10, 20 years is you build your offensive line outside in, you get the tackles and then worry about the interior and the, the tackles can hide the bad interior. But look, the way offenses are changing where you get the, the, the ball out as quickly as possible you can get away, I think, with less on the tackles if you're really solid in that interior three and you can try and neutralize guys like Aaron Donald that can disrupt a quick passing game. And I, I, I know that's what the Bears are, are trying to do with this. And I just, I think they've gotten some pretty good components. I know they paid Whitehair. Whitehair seems to be a guy when the offensive line is good, he's great. When the offensive line is bad, he really can't be the guy to be relied on to pick the offense up. I like James Daniels, but we need to see 16 games out of him. Sam Mustafer, I, I got to see if he can actually push some guys off the offensive line. You know, look, really bright spot as a UDFA, but as an everyday center, I've, I've got my question marks. And the tackle position right now is, is, let's just call it what it is. The tackle position is a mess. Peters is clearly their best guy. It's a guy that got off the street a couple of weeks ago. I understand he's going to the Hall of Fame, but he's 39 years old, whatever he is right now. I didn't like the Effetti move at the time. That has proven to not be, you know, a, a fruitful one, at least at this point. Effetti looks bad. Wilkinson looks bad. Borum is a is a developmental guy. Simmons is, is a seventh round pick at this point. He's certainly, you know, not coming together and, and, and being a starter level at this point. I hated the idea that they got rid of Charles Leno, and I know Bears fans love to bag on him, but he's he would significantly be helping that line right now. If this line has a lot of luck, health, and can stay healthy, I think they can be maybe around the 20th best offensive line in the league. But if they just have a, an injury or two, this is an offensive line that I think could have serious problems. And just, we would have the same problems we had last year in the middle of the season where the offensive line was destroying any ability the offense had to move the football.
2: Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I that That's been kind of one of the, that's been kind of one of the weird disagreements on Bears Twitter, I feel like, is there there are a decent amount of people out there who believe that the Bears are going to have a good offensive line this year. And if you talk to anybody who solely focuses on the offensive line, whether that's a guy like Duke Mayweather, uh, whether that's a guy um, like Brandon Thorne, any of those guys, they all – really have the bears as one of the worst offensive lines, if not the worst offensive line on paper, moving into the season. And obviously some of this has been hurt by the fact that, you know, you, you take a guy in Tevin Jenkins in the second round, who was a projected first round pick, hoping that he's going to come in and slide in and be one of your two starting tackles. And obviously there was a back issue. I don't think we're ever going to get the whole story on that. The fact that they, you know, brought him on the initial roster, the initial 53 man roster. And then ir ar'd him tells me, that they have a decent idea that at some point he's going to be back this season. I think that's great because if they can get him, even if it's four or five games towards the end of the season and at least get him sometime. So you're not facing an Andre Dillard type situation, which is basically what happened to Philadelphia, where you have at least some semblance of an idea, then you're good. But yeah, there, there's just so many unknowns again. I mean, the fact that Jason Peters might be your best tackle Um, the guy's 39 coming off the streets. He was literally fishing when he got a call from, from Juan Castillo. Um, it's, it's just, man, that's, I don't care how you cut it. That's a tough break. And again, I, people can be as high as they want on Larry Borum. But the fact is, is he's never really been a left tackle for that much time. And he's a big plotting dude. I know he lost some weight. Uh, I think the footwork needs some work. I think the hand placement needs some work. I think overall he's a developmental guy. That's not to say that he couldn't develop into a solid starting offensive lineman. But when you're slotting him on the left side, basically waiting for Jason Peters to get hurt, it's just kind of one of those things where then, then what are you going to do with Tevin Jenkins? Because Tevin Jenkins was supposed to be the starting left tackle. So then what happens? you know? And that's that's kind of where I'm a little curious to see how it plays out. But yeah, I just don't. You know, I don't again, I don't mean to be negative, but I just don't see a lot of upside with this line. Again, you pointed out, let's just say James Daniels has an excellent year. Well, guess who's a free agent next year? Guess who all of a sudden his price tag may go from six, seven, eight million dollars to ten to twelve million dollars, you know? So there, there's just a lot of different things that they have to get figured out, and I know that the New Orleans Saints back in the day, um, you know, they kind of built their offenses, their offensive lines from the inside out as well. You know, they they were not focused as focused on tackles, more focused on the interior. Maybe that's where Ryan Pace picked this up from, but. I think what we're seeing right now is we're seeing a lack of overall resources poured into an offensive line. And it's all kind of coming, you know, kind of coming to fruition in terms of you get what you pay for. And right now, and then Olin Cruz has pointed this out multiple times right now, the bears are sinking more money into multiple position groups and they are in the offensive line group as a whole. So I think that's going to be the Achilles heel of this team. And if you want to talk about a reason not to start Justin Fields, that's probably got to be reason number one right there. Because I think if you're worried about damaging his confidence, damaging his development, I mean, the one thing that could absolutely do that, and probably the highest risk for that is the offensive line. But we're just going to have to see. Maybe, hey, maybe we're wrong. And maybe maybe somehow the Bears do pull out an average or an above-average offensive line, and our outlook is completely different moving into next year. That would be fantastic, because that's one less thing the Bears have to worry about. But out of all the things that I think that are going to – pan in a positive direction offensive line is at the bottom of the list if not the bottom
1: let's do a few minutes on the defense let's start uh, right at the top with sean desai did you like the hiring do you like the potential of what he brings as defensive coordinator
2: i do i i think that i mean really everything's an unknown i thought chuck pagano was gonna be good and we saw that win so you know it, it is what it is at this point i think the other thing to kind of keep in mind with that move is the fact that you know th- how many options did they really have? They went after multiple guys, but how many options do you really have at that point? They didn't have Justin Fields. They didn't have any upside at the quarterback position. There was no real direction with the team. And for all we knew, you know, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy could have been fired back in January. We, we don't know their job statuses. We still don't. So it's really hard to bring in some big name guy like Aaron Glenn or, you know, what the hot commodities and stuff of these defensive coordinators. So ultimately, I think it was a needed move. I also really like the fact that, I mean, he's worked his way up the organization. He's been there since 2013, started off as a QC guy and has moved his way up. I think it's it's an awesome opportunity. What I will say is I think he's got his work cut out for him a little bit, especially in the secondary, because this is probably the most questions that the Bears have had defensively in quite a while.
1: Well, you brought up the secondary, so let's jump right, at, right in there. Obviously, you've got a couple of nice pieces with Eddie Jackson and, and Jalen Johnson. Hopefully, Eddie rebounds a little bit from where he was uh, last season. I think there's a good chance of that. I also think there's a good chance, though, that offensive coordinators are going to be able to scheme away from him and Jalen because I think there's going to be plenty of places where they will be able to pick at with this defensive secondary, especially at the nickel position. Do you think that Kindle Vildor or Duke andor Duke Shelley, Christian, whatever, do you think that they can cobble together the rest of the secondary that is mediocre? <laughs>
2: That's a nice way of putting it. It's, uh, no, I don't. I, I really don't. And I think I think their best hope is probably, at this point, Kendall Vildor. But I've always felt like if you look at – granted, Kendall Vildor does have better length than the guy his size, but if you look at his overall size, he's undersized as a boundary corner. I, I actually have kind of wondered multiple times why they haven't tried him – inside and then you know your 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 first line of defense behind him is going to be Artie burns i mean the Artie burns the same guy who was a first round pick with with pittsburgh they basically let him go after a year four of his deal he tears his acl last year really didn't look at least in my opinion really didn't look that good in the preseason and here we are no i that is the one that when i say that the offensive line is the you know one of the positions that i just don't think is going to pan out positively Corner is the other one too where I mean, we're talking just corner two and, and nickel right now. I mean, what happens if Jalen Johnson has more shoulder issues? What happens if Jalen Johnson goes down? I mean, he hasn't exactly been the healthiest guy either, and I feel really good about Johnson. So, yeah, man, it's it's one of those situations where, and this is kind of where I look back at the 2020 Vikings, where, you know, they turned over, not, you know, a very similar situation, not, you know, you know word for word, but... They turned over all three of their starting corners that year, right? And in 2020, they let Xavier Rhodes go, they let Trey Waynes go, and they let McKenzie Alexander go. And they brought in, you know, a few new names. They drafted a few guys the year before, kind of tried to develop, and their defense was a dumpster fire. Yes, they had other injuries. Daniel Hunter didn't play. I understand that. They were lacking edge depth. But one of the biggest issues that they had all year was the corner position as a whole. And that's my biggest concern. I know that the Bears have put a ton of focus in on the front seven. I understand that. But at the same time, I, I feel like you still have to have corners who can cover and be able to hold things apart. And, again, just preseason, but I think we kind of saw some of what, what I expect to happen in the regular season kind of come to fruition in the preseason where the pass rush may be able to you know, get home on occasion. But at the same time, if, if teams go to a quick passing game, as we saw, there's going to be a lot of wide-open guys because they just simply don't have the guys at corner to be able to hang a man coverage or be able to hang wherever. I just, I I don't, that's the one, that's the biggest position where I, I feel really uncomfortable about moving into the season where, and that's why I think Sean Desai's got his work cut out for him.
1: Yeah. I actually would say that the cornerback is a more terrifying position than offensive line. That's me personally. Some people may disagree, but I, I think especially in the slot, and we know how much teams utilize the slot now offensively these days. I just, I don't like where the Bears are at, and you know, you, you brought about uh, brought up bringing pressure, which I agree. Really, the only way to mask this is going to be consistent pressure up front. It's something I think we've expected as Bears fans and people who, who watch this team that this pass rush should be stellar, whether it's you know with Nichols and Hicks and 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 Mac and Quinn and. We, we, we know what they have up front, you know, uh, Mario Edwards, even. We know what they have up front, but the consistency hasn't been there. Do you think decide? do you think, you know, with the talent that's up front, can the Bears get more of a consistent pass rush this year?
2: Well, I think that's going to be a big question. And I, I would like to hope because I, it feels like they're going to go back to more of a Vic Fangio principle style defense where – you know, that, I think that was a big difference between Chuck Pagano and Fangio was just how successful the pass rush was. And I, I also feel like having a good pass rush can also, and then we saw it happen in 2018, a good pass rush can cause a lot more takeaways as well. And that's another big area where the bears need to get better. But yeah, I mean, they, I mean, just look at what they did this offseason. season. I mean, they let Kyle Fuller. they chose, I mean, they point blank, they chose Kyle Fuller over Akeem Hicks. And I know a lot of people are still not wanting to accept that fact, but the reality of it is in terms of actual money saved between the two cuts, Kyle Fuller saved them $11 million. Cutting Akeem Hicks would have saved them $10.5 million. Don't look at the cap hit. Look at the actual cap savings. That was the difference. $500,000 was the difference. They chose to go front seven. They also signed Angelo Blackson, who really at this point in time slots in once Mario Edwards comes back. I mean, he's going to slot in as their fifth defensive lineman. They didn't pay him a lot of money, but again, they sunk more resources. And even with you know, uh, Ado Achu, the same thing. I mean, they went out and they signed basically, you know, another edge rusher and spent more resources on the front seven than doing anything to fix a secondary. So again, it is what it is. I mean, at this point in time, maybe their gamble pays off, but it, the, the consistency of their pass rush, and especially when you consider how much money that they've invested in their front seven over the last few years, it has to get better. But again, I, it, it's one of those things where offenses are going to be able to adjust. So while they may be getting home more or the pressure rate may be up, if, if teams are going to more of a, a quick pass offense, then that's still going to burn the corners. And, you know the, 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 you know, the edge rushers and pass rushers are not going to be able to get there. So usually when you have one weakness, whether it's offense or defense, as you well know, and as most people know, teams will find a way to exploit that. And I think that's where the Bears front seven is going to have to be otherworldly in order to cover up the deficiencies that they have a corner.
1: All right, two more for you. Khalil Mack. Look, the PFF grades, he's up in the 90s. You know, the lists of best defensive players, best NFL players. He's still in the top 10, top 15 consistently. If you watch him on tape, yes, he is still a game wrecker. They have to put multiple guys on him, That whether it's a chip block or at, at a minimum. You know, he's a guy that offenses are focused on and trying to neutralize him. So I, it's not that Khalil Mack is bad, but the one thing Khalil Mack hasn't done is he's not getting home. And I understand pressure rates can cause turnovers, and and I and I understand that there's a lot more to play in that position. He can set the you know sets the edge well in the run game. There's a lot more to play in the position than just the sack total. But the bottom line is the stats have not been flashy for Mac the last couple seasons. Do you think he can start getting home a little bit more this season, or is this kind of where Mac is at this point in his career?
2: I think that this just may be Khalil Mac. I mean, if you really go back and and really look at his numbers, I mean, he's never. Yes, he's had multiple 10 sack seasons, but he's never been that prolific guy that's going to have, you know, 15, 16, 17 sacks for you. And I think really the other big key right now is is who's who's going to be rushing the passer on the other side of it? Because they get rid of, you know, it's like last year, they got rid of Leonard Floyd. They signed, you know, uh, you know, Robert Quinn, thinking that he's going to be more of a prolific pass rusher. Well, the guy had two sacks and really looked bad. And then Leonard Floyd goes to the Rams and he has a 10 sack season for the first time in his career. So... I think a lot of it is going to be getting him the help. I do think having Eddie Goldman back this year as a run stuffer is actually going to help the entire defensive front. But I just, you know, I, and I, I was on record the last two years of saying Khalil Max going to have 15 plus sacks and it didn't happen. I expect him to have over 10 this year. Um, but I don't think he's going to be just that prolific pass rusher. And I think that's the thing with Khalil Mack. He's a good run stuffer. He's a guy that will get to the quarterback quite often, maybe not convert it as much into the sacks. He's going to have a lot of pressures. And I think he's just kind of one of those guys that you have to look beyond the numbers a little bit, but you know, it's kind of tough because I mean, I, I don't want to say he's been bad because he definitely hasn't been bad. I don't want to say he's been disappointing because I don't think he's been disappointing, but Uh, When you when you make a guy the highest paid defender in the league, uh, I I think the expectation is that he's going to have 10 plus sacks every season and be that game wrecker that he was in 2018. And we have not seen that over the last two years. So I uh, let's just put it this way. My best answer is this. I, I will be very interested to see how Sean Desai uses him this year, much like Robert Quinn. And how much that benefits him. Because I think the best year that he had with the bears was under Vic Fangio. If you can get back to that, if you can get him to, you know, anywhere from 11, 12, 13 sacks, and he can become that turnover machine again, like he was, then I think you're getting one of the best defensive players in the league. But if you got what you got though over the last few years, I think he's still a really good player, but he's not that elite player like they're paying him to be.
1: All right. We'll finish with this little prediction time record on the bears this year. And on, on top of that, Pace, Nagy, will they keep their jobs for 2022?
2: I think this is going to upset a lot of people. So I originally had them at eight and nine. Then I watched a preseason and the areas where I expected to get better did not get better. Uh, They might've actually got worse. So yeah, I've I've run schedule back multiple times. I keep coming up with seven wins. I, I think they're a seven to nine win team in my opinion, Um, but I'm going to go with seven just because I I think as soon as they start hitting injuries, man, I think they're going to run into some big issues and they have a really tough schedule. I know you can only look so far back in terms of last year and what teams did, but football outsiders who goes with a lot more numbers than just last year's records has them as the toughest schedule in the league. Um, As far as Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace's jobs, I, you know, man, I I think unless something catastrophic happens, I think they're going to get one more year. I think Justin Fields in one way or another has bought them another year. And frankly, I think in the way that they've operated with their decisions and everything else, I don't actually believe that they've operated much like a desperate team. I think they've operated like a delusional team. I think they've operated like a team who thinks their roster is much better than it is, but I don't think they've operated as a desperate team. So I, I think unless something catastrophic, you know, let's just say four or five wins, I think they're back next year, and, and hopefully, for the Bears' sake, hopefully they can kind of piece things together because they're, they're going to have an uphill climb. Whether people want to believe it or not, because it's a cap space and a lack of resources, they're going to have an uphill climb. They will get better next year, but I don't think it's going to be that 2017 to 2018 jump that we saw when when Ryan Pace kind of completed the rebuild. They just don't have the resources to do so. Uh,
1: I agree with you 100%. I went through the – I think it's schedulepredictor.com, NFLschedulepredictor.com this morning – I had the bears come out at seven and 10. So I am I'm, I'm with you. I think that's probably where they're looking. I hope I'm wrong. And I do think pace and Nagy will get probably those very quiet, you know, not really announced publicly one year extensions to, to make sure that they can get or two year extensions, whatever you want to call it to make sure that they can at least get two years out of Justin Fields. But there he is. He's at Aaron lemming NFL. I'm sure you're all following him on Twitter, but if you're not giving him a follow. Windy City Gridiron, you you read him there. Bear Report, read him there. Podcast as well. He's all over the place covering the Bears. Aaron, thanks so much for jumping on. Really appreciate
2: it. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's always, always fun. Hopefully this will be a, a better year than we're expecting.
1: All right. There he is. Aaron Lemming, Windy City Gridiron and Bear Report. A lot of good info from Aaron there. A lot of good info from Aaron. He's not overly positive about this season, and I can't blame him but where is the overly positive? Justin Fields. So that's where I want to focus is Justin Fields and the excitement that he can bring to this fan base and, and really the hope he's brought to this fan base. When are we going to see him? Again, I'm circling that Detroit Lions game. There is no reason in my eyes to keep him on the bench longer than that Lions game. Put him out there week four. We'll see Andy Dalton look mediocre for three weeks while he grasps the playbook and goes through a couple weeks to kind of get used to the routine of an NFL week and whatever it is that Matt Nagy's looking for. But after after that Lions game, if he's not out there, I've got real concerns about when they're going to do it. So hopefully we see him sooner rather than later. But as for this Rams game, look, it's on the road, primetime game. I, I think this Rams team is very good. This Rams team is my pick to win the Super Bowl. I think Matt Stafford is a huge upgrade over, over Goff for, for Sean McVay and what he wants to do with his offense. I think Stafford is going to have a career season if he stays healthy with the Rams. I think it's going to be that good of a match, and I just don't think things are going to go very well for Chicago because, there's look, the Rams' defense is good. I think it's it's, it's top five, but definitely top ten in the league. And with Aaron Donald wrecking things on a against our mediocre offensive line, I just don't think this offense is going to look significantly better than it did last season under Andy Dalton. I don't think they're going to score more than 17 or 20 points in a game. So what does that mean? That means the Chicago Bears defense is going to have to step up. And this is a Bears defense that doesn't have Kyle Fuller. That's got Danny Trevathan on IR, who's another year older. They've got question marks on this defense, especially in the secondary. So they're going to have to get after the quarterback. They're going to have to get after Stafford. They're going to have to get home and cause problems. And keep that Rams offense at bay and keep this game close where hopefully, you know, one you know one big play can break it in favor of the Bears. Because otherwise, I think this is going to go in the way of the Rams, and I think the Rams win comfortably. I'm gonna say final score of 31 to 17, a Rams victory, and the Bears start off 0-1, which I know that doesn't sound good, but for every loss that Andy Dalton accrues, we are one game closer to Justin. That's going to do it for Bears Banter. Bear down, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Adios.